on the pastor's pack. So that's good. Good. Great. Switched out that microphone. Got it going. Everybody doing good today? Good. Can I have a little more light in the room? It'd be great so I can see your faces. Um, if you're visiting with us for the first time, my name is Philip Brand, and I'm the pastor here. And Ben Miller is the one that led music this morning, so we appreciate that. And that those are some good, some good music this morning. Um, I've decided that um, one day when I retire, I think I'm I'm going to be a meteorologist because there, you know, you can do that job and never be wrong. For instance. I could even start it now and say, a meteor is not going to hit the earth today, a meteor is not going to hit the earth tomorrow, and be absolutely correct, and then once a meteor hits the earth, um, everybody's dead anyway, but nobody knows you're wrong. That is what that word means, right? Yeah. I know what the word means. I'm just being a pastor with jokes and dad and stuff like that, meteorologist, yeah, that's what I'm doing. We're in a series called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and this is the third part of that series, and I want to introduce you to a Hebrew word, and this is it. Um, In in the Southern, it's tannin, so speak to your neighbor and say tannin. Um, There's there's an issue with this word. Um, There's a lot of people, there's a lot of discussion of what this word actually means throughout the Bible and and what, what it actually, what kind of beast it actually is. Um, different people have different various points of views. Um, I, I think that we can arrive at kind of a general consensus to get to where we're going today. So, tannin. So, here's a few places it's used in Scripture, at in Scripture. Praise the Lord, all the earth, you great sea creatures. So, that word sea creatures is the word tannin, okay? Um, that, of course, would be the plural of tannin and not the singular, so it's sea creatures. The King James, however, for sea creatures, places dragon there. So, praise the Lord, all the earth, you great dragon, or the great dragon, that's what it would say. Next, Psalm chapter 91, verse 13 says, you will will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent, you will trample underfoot. That word serpent there is tannin. And so, so far we have sea creatures and then we have this serpent. But in the King James, it would read dragon. So they would put dragon for that that serpent right there. So that's the word. Next, Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 34 says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he has swallowed me like a monster. So now we have it translated three different ways, right? We have sea monsters, which I guess is similar to monster, right? Similar there. And then we, we have the other one, which was, what was it? Serpent, right, good, serpent. Just testing, making sure. In the King James, however, that word monster would be the word dragon, so then you start thinking, you've, you've started comparing translations, you're trying to figure out what this word is. is, is it monster, is it serpent, I mean, what in the world is this thing? There's a couple of places that it's translated jackal, I will tell you this, it's not a jackal, um, it's a totally different uh, word in the Hebrew than what we're, what we're uh, looking at here. So what in the world is this? So then you find a verse like this one, I went out by night to the valley gate 
to the dragon spring. Everywhere, in every translation that I've looked at, it is translated dragon spring. So somewhere down the line, there was something that these people knew of as a dragon. It makes us a little bit uncomfortable because we have a lot of mythological creatures that are dragons, that, that talk and that do things, and, and we're not really sure if they're really real. However, it seems that in the past, there was some type of, of animal, it, could have been a, it had to be a lizard because you have serpent too, right? And it probably lived in the sea because you have sea monster translated, and it was probably big because people were a little bit scared of it, thus you know, swallowed by a dragon, which was the previous verse. So the valley gate to the dragon spring. Here's a couple other verses. Uh, Isaiah chapter 27, verse 1 says, In that day, the Lord with his hard and great strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. So here that word is translated dragon, not sea monster, but dragon. So this has something to do with a dragon. Now, two weeks ago, we, we totally said, because of Job, that Leviathan breathes fire, right? It says it in Scripture. It's not an analogy. It, it's factual. Leviathan and Job breathes fire. So it's not much of a step past to say that maybe a dragon breathes fire, maybe it doesn't. We don't know because we don't really know what this is, but it, they called it a dragon. Here's the next verse. Isaiah 51.9 says, Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces who pierced the dragon? Here in this passage of scripture, the dragon has a name. What's the dragon's name? Rahab. Not really sure why they called the dragon Rahab. Not really sure at all. But nonetheless, who pierced the dragon. So at some level, somewhere in the past, and this is, is definitely extinct at this point, unless it is the Loch Ness Monster or something else that we, you know. Right. Okay, look, I, there's, there's light and then there's heavy. Okay, so that was a light, little light comment. But the dragon is probably extinct, okay, because we haven't seen one lately. Let me show you something from China. Um, this is, uh, the Chinese look at the stars for each one of their months, okay? They have a different system than we have. We, we have a different constellation system that we follow, Right beside our constellation system, however, is theirs. So in this constellation uh, system, they have rabbit, tiger, ox, rat, pig, dog, rooster, monkey, sheep, horse, snake. We all know that those are real, right? And then we get to the other one, dragon. The interesting thing about their dragon is, one, it's the oldest on record, and two, it is a serpent-like creature with four legs, Legs that stick right here, and legs that stick right here. And do you know where that serpent lives? In the sea. And do you know how that serpent walks? It slithers because it has trouble using its legs. So in Scripture, when you have 
the serpent talking to Eve in the garden, and then God places a curse on that serpent that you will no longer walk on your legs. You will slide around from that point in time. Maybe it wasn't a serpent after all in the sense of like a snake. Maybe it was a dragon. And if you had to slither around for the rest of your life, where's the best place to slither around? In the ocean, because you can actually move. Interesting, isn't it? Now, let me give you a little disclaimer. The last part of that is my opinion. Okay? It's my opinion. So don't go home with fact. But I do think that there's too many striking parallels between the two of those, and, and maybe, maybe that's what it is. So what is the Greek word for dragon? It's this, dragon. <laughs> Say that to your neighbor. Now tell your neighbor, I've known a Greek word longer than I realized I've known a Greek word. It's, it's dragon. Now, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, and I want to talk about one that we know for sure is real, all right, that we know for sure is real, at least the way that it is presented in Revelation chapter 12. So turn to Revelation chapter 12. Probably music from the computer. Maybe? Don't know? Okay. Somebody's having a good time down the road then. Maybe somebody got some new speakers in the back of their Pinto. <laughs> that dated me, didn't it? I bet there isn't a Pinto anywhere around anymore. Has anybody seen a Pinto lately? It, by the way, if you're younger, it's not a bean out of the garden. It's, it's, a, it's a vehicle. Um, a sad vehicle, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a vehicle. Wow, I can't believe. Wow, that's really pumping. All right. Um, Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to turn this off for a second. I think that's where it's coming from. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, it says, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. So John, who wrote this, is saying that somewhere up in heaven, there was a sign that appeared, and within this sign was the sun, and right below it was the moon. At her feet was the moon. Now, I, I love astrology. I, I love to look at the stars and stuff like that. I don't look at horoscopes and stuff because the Bible says that's wrong, and I believe in God and not that stuff. But I love to look up in outer space, and I love to research it. And what I've found is the stories that we currently have today with the stars are not the stories that used to be, like in biblical times. And so John, I believe, is looking up at the sky at this moment, and he's looking at a lady that we call Virgo. That is Virgo. Now, what happens in Jewish tradition in the way that they do this, um, this day-month thing, is that when Virgo comes up in the morning and the sun is behind her, that would necessitate that month, a new month beginning. And so the sun would clothe her because the sun is actually in that constellation during the day, and it passes all the way through. The moon being at the bottom of the feet is where the moon is sometimes. If, in fact, right now, you might not know this, the moon is not shining, right? It's dark. 
but it's located at the feet of her currently in the sky. Um, as, as it begins to turn and start shining again, you'll, you'll see more of it. But nonetheless, Virgo. So in this passage of scripture, it says, and a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. Right above her, and I don't have a picture of this, is the constellation Leo. Now, Leo has nine stars in it. There, every about 12 years, three planets line the bottom of Leo in a line that connects with, well, connects, connects with her head to make what looks like a crown. That would be the 10 stars. It is Mercury, Venus, and Mars that shine there, and they shine in a straight line. You can look this up. And so when it's talking about, about 12 stars, I'm sorry, 12 stars, it's talking about the constellation Leo that has nine and these three stars that are added to it. So you have 12 stars, which also represents the uh, 12 tribes of Israel, right? Right? Yeah, 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles, but we're definitely sure it represents the 12 tribes of Israel. So he's looking at this and he's looking at this coming up and he sees this sign in the sky, but that's not all he sees. It says this, she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and agony given birth. Virgo is actually the word for virgin. And in the past, in the past, before it got all kind of messed up, it was believed that there was going to be a woman that would have a virgin-born child that would be called the Messiah. And so in Jewish tradition, they looked at her and they saw that. So when it says crying out, it is actually talking about some further stuff like Christmas before this actually occurred. So in verse 3, it says, Another sign appeared in the heaven, and behold, a great rod dragon, a red, I'm sorry, red dragon, with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. So where is this dragon? If we have her, where's the dragon at? Well, over to your left, up in the sky, is a constellation called Draco. So let's show that, Draco. Now, before we get to Draco, I forgot I did this. Draco, this is a serpent's caput. I can never say that correctly, but that doesn't surprise anybody. Next screen. Here's another serpent. This is Hydra. Hydra actually means seven-headed serpent. Isn't that interesting? So seven-headed serpent. And then you have Draco, which is the one we're going to talk about. Now, in the past, and I've been trying to figure out how this is, I know that all three of these were one. They were not separated. So over time, they separated them because the, I guess the constellation was too big. So we have Draco, which actually means dragon. So this also appeared in the sky. Seven diadems, ten horns, seven heads. Verse 4, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. And she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So that is a depiction of Jesus actually being born and that the dragon was ready to take his life, which would represent Herod, because we know this part of the story, right? And so the dragon was after the woman's offspring. Now, I want you to check something out. 
I don't know if you know much about constellations. I really don't know what you know, and I don't know if I really know that much. But here's, here's what I want to show you. Draco, next screen, Draco in the sky turns like this. Doesn't really go anywhere. It just turns like this. So during the night, Draco will be this way, and then he will, he, his head will come up this way, and then his head will be up here, and he'll do a full, um, what's it called? Circle. I can't remember if it's, it's not 180. 360. I don't know what happens in this space right here. <laughs> I'm good out there, but then I get up here, and it's like, yeah, I don't know what happens to my brain. But nonetheless, it turns. Virgo also moves. Check out her path. Virgo goes like this. Now, I didn't do this as good as I could have, but it goes like this and down into the horizon. So what happens is the head of Draco and Virgo goes like this as um, the world turns. So it looks like she is chasing the lady that just had the baby. And the lady goes south. Isn't that cool? Come on. That's cool. So you have this thing going. So John, who knows of these stories, is putting it here, and he's giving us some, some details of what is actually occurring in the skies as a prophetic witness of what is about to occur. So, he will rule all the nations with a rod of iron, her child was caught up to God and in his throne, which, of course, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And he's right now sitting beside God the Father in heaven. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,600 days. Now, war arose in heaven, and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent, who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers have been, has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for their love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent. By the way, Virgo has two wings. See the symbolism? I'm not just making this up. This is really true, this part. So wings, and she was able to fly like a great eagle into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time, and times, and a half a time, 
The serpent poured water like river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to help the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, and he stood on the sand of the sea. Next two screens. Next one. So, there is a dragon. And the dragon, here in this passage of Scripture, is a symbol of Satan. And Satan is at war, this dragon is at war with people that love Jesus and follow his commandments. Verse 17 says, Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, and he stood on the sand of the sea. How many of you try your best to keep the commandments in Bible? Yeah. I think if you're a believer and you know him and you want to follow God, I think that is something that you attempt to do. How many of you attempt with all your might to hold on to the testimony of Jesus and who he is. Stand for him. Yeah, sure, sure. This means that you and I have an adversary and he's as powerful as a dragon. He is not to be underestimated. He's not to be um, like taken light of. He's not to be joked about. He is an actual adversary that has power that has been sent here. Well, not sent. He has come here to resist you and me from being able to live for God and and follow him. He is real. Why is it so hard to keep the commandments? Why is it so hard to follow Jesus? Because there's a dragon in our way, pressing against us, trying to get us not to do it. Why is it so hard? Mm, Because we have an adversary, and he's a tough one. Graduates, when you go to college, well, maybe not Liberty University, but maybe. You're going to have to watch out for friends, and you're going to have to watch out for professors, and you're going to have to watch out for people that will try to explain away the Bible and, and take your faith from you. There are people that are in those colleges, maybe not Liberty, in those colleges that do not believe in God. But for Liberty, not everything that a professor says is absolutely true. You have to guard your heart and keep the commandments. And then there's going to be college life outside of that. You're going to have to watch yourself in college life. You're going to have to be what your parents grew you up to be. Good people. I will come after you if you go astray. I will pray for you unendingly and let your mama take care of you. Because I'm scared of your mama. She's strong. But nonetheless, you have to do that. And for everybody else in here, life and our job and media, not that I'm totally against media, but media, whether you see it in... um, on the news, or you see it in a program, or you see it on Netflix, or you see it here. There is a war. There is a dragon that is standing, trying to get your attention and take you off the path of the commandments. 
There is somebody standing there and working against everything that you do. And if you make a dedication in your heart to keep the commandments with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and follow Jesus, I guarantee you the war is going to heat up. The dragon is going to breathe fire in your path. And it is going to be very difficult at times to follow Jesus and follow his way and do what is right. And all of us at particular times might be tempted not to follow God because of the pressure of this dragon. And we need to make sure that we keep his commandments and follow him and stay true to the gospel and true to the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to stand and be a light when nobody else will. We have an adversary and we have a struggle and we need to stand against this dragon. Now, let me tell you something. I know that this passage of scripture is in the tribulation. But that does not mean that that dragon isn't in front of you right now. The application in the tribulation and the application now is totally the same. He stands against you and you have to stand and fight him. Fight him. 1 Peter chapter 1 um, says these words. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, someone to devour. So when we stand against this dragon, we have to be sober-minded. Um, that does not mean that you give up drink. It's not that you are drunk and you have to be sober. That's not it. Sober-minded is when you and I Quit thinking like the world thinks and we begin to think like the Bible thinks. If you are adopting the world's philosophies, if you are adopting the world's system of belief, if you are adopting what the world says is right and wrong, you are drunk in your mind. You don't know which way to go. When you see people that do not follow God, the things that they say is just, where did you, where did you come up with that? It is just crazy. There's a lot of crazy talk. Have you ever heard the crazy talk? It's just a bunch of crazy talk. Um, I, I, I think, and I don't know who you voted for, I don't care. I think if Trump came out today and said he was for oxygen, it would kill all the Democrats because they would no longer breathe it. I mean, we live in a society like no other where they have attacked and attacked and attacked the president of the United States over and over just because he won. You might not like him, but he won. Do you know what I'm saying? Look, you might not have liked Obama, but he won. He won. And so we are to be respectful of that office. Amen? Because God places presidents there and he takes them down. There, are, there is a lot of crazy, crazy talk, and you just have to be sober in your mind when you're listening to it. There are people that will talk against things that are facts or not give you all the facts and only their viewpoint and their narrative that they want you to have. We have to be sober-minded, and that means we have to be watchful. We have to be active in our watching. In other words, if something comes on and it begins to get talked about on your TV set or on the radio and your kids are in the car, you talk about that thing and you say, hey, they are coming from this point of view that is not a biblical point of view. 
This is the biblical point of view. Be careful giving your children and your friends your point of view. That is not what we're called to do. We are called to stand for the Bible, the commandments, and the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and give them Jesus' point of view. Amen? That's what we're called to do. So you have to be watchful for those things. So that's a way that you can stand against this adversary. You are sober-minded, and you're watchful of his movements and what he is doing. So, let me give you some dragon facts. Okay? These are universal dragon facts. If you go to almost any story, these dragon facts are true. I'm not saying that we have dragon... Just go... Are you with me? Okay. Fictitious... Our real dragons are always cunning, every one of them. I've yet to read a story or watch a movie where a dragon wasn't cunning, including how to train your dragon, right? Even the good dragons are cunning. Okay, shake your head. Okay, I, yeah, even the good dragons. Dragons are hard to kill. I don't know if you've ever noticed that in the stories. It's hard to kill them. You, you try spears, you try swords, you try to get to them, and a lot of people die, and that one person just happens to hit the mark right on the spot and is able to kill the dragon. Or the dragon's asleep and somebody's able to kill him some way. They have to have some special way. But a head-on fight, it's very hard to kill a dragon with our weapons, with what we have. It's hard to kill him. So how in the world do we take care of this dragon that stands in front of us? Because to be honest with you, it is great to be sober and it's great to be watchful. But I like to maybe think that I have a weapon that could totally defeat him. Come on, church. Some weapon that I can use that when I stand against him, he has to back away. Some weapon that I can use that he scours at and he cannot stand the touch of it and so he goes back some weapon that renders him powerless over me, I would love to have that weapon. I'm here today to tell you that God has supplied that weapon. He has supplied that weapon. Now, it's not a sword. It's not an AR-15. Right? That is right, right? AR-15, just want to make sure my numbers are right because a few moments ago my numbers are wrong and I just want, you know, we are, yeah. It's not a shotgun. It's not a 12-gauge. It's not a 16-gauge. It's not a 9-millimeter. It's not nothing like that. It's not a rocket launcher. He doesn't give you a rocket launcher. But he has giving, uh, given us a weapon that we can use against this dragon that is a spiritual weapon that works wonders and renders him useless in our lives. I want you to look at verse 10 of chapter 12. It says this. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God, the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him 
by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. The weapon that we have that defeats the dragon is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He cannot stand the touch of it. He cannot stand the thought of it. He wishes he could go back and not put Jesus on the cross that is so powerful, but he didn't have the powerful to stop that from happening. It is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have as a weapon that when appropriately applied makes the dragon retreat and makes the dragon get out of our way and makes the dragon run for its life. The blood of Jesus. Now, why in the world is it the blood? And how in the world do you, what in the what? What is, blood? What? Okay. First of all, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ definitely um, is reflective of his death on the cross for our sins. For he took the penalty and the wrath of God away from us because he shed his blood on the cross. The Bible says it is the blood that washes away all our sins. And so the perfect lamb of God shed his blood on the cross to do that. The second thing about this blood stuff is he was, he was our substitution, sacrifice. He took our place on the cross for our sins. I no longer have to pay for my sins because Jesus did it and he did it completely. He did it with a one-time sacrifice. If, if I had to pay for my sins, I would have to continually, 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 continually sacrifice. And there's not enough lambs to cover all the sins that I've committed. There's not enough lambs to cover all the sins that you've committed. And all of us would wind up in hell if it wasn't for the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood. Come on, people. It is a great and powerful thing. The, the um, prophet... John the Baptist in the Bible says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not just my sin, sin of the entire world. And that salvation is available to be applied to anyone's sin that accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior. It says, I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross, and I accept him as my savior. I take his gift into my life. I want him to have control of me. Anybody, anybody that receives him as their savior, anybody. So it's the blood of the lamb that is applied, first of all, salvation, but how else is it applied? If our deacons and elders will come, for they're gonna pass out the cup as, as I, I do this part of the sermon. So how do you apply the blood to, to that dragon that is standing before you? How do you apply it in other ways? How many of you have allowed Satan, the dragon, to get into your mind and make you feel like you're nothing? I don't know about you, but there are times even this week where the dragon has stood in my path and spoke to me about how worthless I am, worthless and unworthy, that I have no friends, I have no one that loves me. Why would even anybody put up with me at all? And the dragon, what he does is he uses those words to take your mind captive and it's at that point that you remind him 
that you are worth the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and that you're valuable in his sight and you apply the blood to that particular situation. Jesus looks down from heaven and he sees Philip Brand as being worth something, worth the price of his blood and he looks at you and says the same thing, worth the price of his blood. So I'm gonna tell you something. The way this worked out in my mind is not the way that um, it's working out right now. So we're just gonna sit back a minute, okay, while they, while they pass it out. Totally my fault. I just totally envisioned this a little bit differently. So we're gonna let you get the cup, and then I'm gonna bring you back. Because this is extremely important. Extremely important. So... I guess what I can do is I can sing. Sing. Yep. La, la, la. La, la, la. And I have, I have a, a duet over here going on. He's, he's singing with me. That's awesome. La, la, la. See? It's an echo. See? La, la, la. Yeah, there, yeah well, I have another one. Before too long, we'll have a boy band. Um, you would go see that, wouldn't you? Kind of boy band. Yeah. No, he's fine. He's fine. Trust me. It, he's fine. He's fine. I'm just having fun in this moment. Yeah. Kids, kids are important at this church, and they're awesome. I would rather hear that voice than deadness in the church. That is, that is life. That's what we're about. It's awesome, right? Go ahead and take yours. Thank you, sir. So, here's how you apply the blood. Have you ever had that moment while you're alone at home and all of a sudden you're attacked with temptation? Whatever temptation it might be. I don't know what temptation it would be for you when you're alone. But that temptation that comes, I, we could list them if we wanted to. I can guarantee you that that dragon that's in front of you is listing it for you. And he's pulling you in that direction. Whatever direction that might be. That is a moment that you remind him that you're free from that and there's a way out. I don't know about you, but when Satan tempts me, he makes it seem like there isn't a way out and I'm totally defeated and I'm going to wind up doing that sin. But what we need to remind him of is that the blood of the lamb freed me from that and I no longer have to participate in whatever he's trying to get me to participate in. Because Jesus wouldn't want me to do it, and he shed his blood so that I'd have the power over Satan not to do it. So you apply the blood. So as strange as it might say, you say, look, dude, I have the power of the, Jesus Christ and his blood on my life. I do not have to do that, and I'm not going to do it, no matter how much you're trying to get me to do it. 
How do you apply the blood? Well, when he traps you in your conscience. Has he ever trapped you like with guilt over past sins? Like he drugs up stuff all the time for me. Stuff that I've done in the past that he brings back up. And he says, you done this, you were dumb here, you sinned here. When the books are open in heaven, you're gonna be embarrassed, that sort of stuff. It's at that moment that you apply the blood. Look, dragon, doesn't matter anymore because Jesus took care of that. And those sins are washed away. They are a part, maybe, of who I am as a sinner, but they are not a part of who I am in Christ because of his blood. Come on, church. I do not have to worry about that any longer. Um, when he pushes hard to get you to turn away from God, you ever had that happen? Some, something happens in your life, and, and it's so tough and so hard that you're wondering if he is even true, if he's even real, and he pushes and he pushes and he pushes, and he tries to get you to not believe in him, that is the moment you apply the blood. You say, quit lying to me. I have the blood of Jesus Christ on my life, and you will not have power over who I am and what I'm going to do. Jesus has given me the power over you, dragon. And no matter how powerful the dragon might seem to you in your life, no matter what he is trying to get you to believe, what it, no matter what he's trying to push you toward, no matter how many people he's trying to push to get you to go in that direction, the blood of the Jesus Christ defeats him, and that is the end of the story. We need to remember this is our freedom. This is our freedom. Come on, this is our freedom. And as crazy as it sounds, the blood of the G Jesus Christ gives us power to live the life that we should live for our Savior. So as we take this cup, remember his blood and the freedom that you have gained from it. Drink ye all of it. So as the band comes, I have one last verse. Chapter 12, verse 12 says this. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Why? Because the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony of what he's done on the cross has defeated the dragon. That is awesome. So let's take a few moments to sing about that.